Now, Genesis chapter 18, big picture message, heart of the book of Genesis, talking about fathers. I'm gonna, we're going to look at that contrast again, wise, foolish, God, godly, ungodly, between Abraham and Lot, because here's my thesis for today's study. The primary role of a man is to oversee the expansion of the Christian faith across generations. And that's why we have an everyman ministry, because the primary function for a man is to supervise, manage, and oversee the Christian faith as it spans generations, beginning in and through his own family. And the degree to which the men succeed or fail, it is to that very degree that you can follow the progress or the deterioration of society in the country of which we are a part. And so when we succeed in this role, the municipality in which we live becomes a better place. When we fail in this, then the world in which we all live becomes terrifying and traumatic. And while there are privileges that come with being a man, just like there are some shared and some dissimilar privileges with being a woman, there are along with those privileges a whole range of responsibilities for men. Now, God says something in Exodus 20 that I would like you to reference there on your handout um, quickly before we go to Genesis 18. Exodus 20, verse 5. Thou shalt not bow down, down thyself to any idol, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So this is our first point for study because we see how the decisions of one parent has repercussions across generations. And your decisions don't just relate to your own life. They spill over to your children and beyond. And the impact of a man in the life of his family carries generational weight. If he is not there, it carries generational weight. But since you're not yet feeling me like I need you to, can I just give you a thumbnail sketch, kind of, a, kind of an experiential explanation of what we have seen in Christian churches and society, the deteriorating generations. Because to our forefathers, faith was their experience. And then to our fathers, their faith was an inheritance from the forefathers. And then to us, faith is kind of a convenience inherited from our fathers. But to our children, many times, faith is a nuisance because we got away from experience. You know, it wouldn't be so bad if all my, all my mess just ended with me. But my mess gets passed on to my offspring. So then with every succeeding generation, it gets passed on even worse. Which is why God says he will visit the iniquity of the fathers, where it relates to not worshiping, to not consecrating yourself completely to him, down to grandchildren and beyond. Whoever sees you, whoever you have contact with, many of us see in our own families the failures of our fathers. Habits that they had became handcuffs for us. So it's no wonder that Satan targets parents, because here's our second point for study. If the devil can disrupt 
a parent's relationship with God, he can more easily dominate each succeeding generation. When you see the generational use and misuse and abuse of the faith, then it is to that same degree that you see the societal decline of our culture. Oh, what the devil can do if he can just make generations of children grow up in dysfunctional families where they never know what it is to be loved by a parent who's going to put Bible principles over other priorities in life. And, and, and neither funding nor defunding will in any wise cure this. As a matter of fact, what we're going to look at today, that's the, this is the only fix. This is the only fix that will cure it. You know, and sometimes we get dogged on and people mock us for telling, you know, asking other people, hey, come to church with me. You know, because, you know, a lot of the, you know, people that maybe have the spiritual answer and say, well, you know, I don't, I don't need church. I just need Jesus. You know, why don't we just say come to Jesus? Well, it's, it's not because church is anything. It's because of what you hear when you get here. Because when you get here to this church, you will hear things that will change your life for eternity. Any other thing we do in society is not going to be a fix. It may temporarily address some symptoms. It will not get to the root cause. So to raise up a new generation of godly mothers and fathers, that is what we have to do. And God says this will only happen with men and women who love him. So here's our third point for study. It is only through the faith of a faithful person that God's presence is seen and experienced in our culture. Genesis 18 is where this is brought forward so clearly. God is about to judge the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, the twin cities of the pagan plain. Lee Summit and Blue Springs. Kansas City and Independence. Grain Valley and Oak Grove. And these two pagan communities degenerated standing side by side. And they deserved the wrath of God as an example to the world. So maybe the world wouldn't go that direction. And so God's going to destroy them. Now, what brought that about? Well, there is a man in Sodom who has failed. And his name is Lot. And he failed to transfer the faith to his city because he failed to transfer it to his own family. And because... He had no transferred faith by evangelism and discipleship in the community, then now the whole city cannot be salvaged. But God speaks in this particular passage about another father, Father Abraham. And he talks about what he's going to do with that man, summed up in verse 19. Look at verse 19, Genesis 18. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. So it's too late for Sodom, but it's not too late for you. Hello, somebody. This is because there is a man who is willing to transfer a viable living submission to God onward into his family. 
And there are four things involved in this transfer, and this is God's role for fathers. Now, really, it's his role for all parents, but fathers have to take the lead because this is how fathers can save our civilization. Anybody want to hear this? Just say, preach on, Alan. Okay, I'll even take Silence's consent because it's just that important. First off, number one, notice if you will, you've got to grab a sense of destiny about your duty to provide your family a divine perspective on life. Verse 19, God says, For I know him that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which the Lord hath spoken about Abraham. You know, that's what's missing today. What is missing is a generation of men who know God and they have a sense of destiny where their family is concerned and where problems in their life are concerned. Today we have a generation of aimless couples, aimless singles, and aimless kids. So I want you to look at what Abraham understood about a man's destiny. Start with me in verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. So here's Abraham. He's living in the vicinity of these two places I'm going to destroy. If I destroy them without telling Abraham anything about it, is he going to get discouraged? Is he going to think, well, man, maybe this didn't, this didn't worth it. I mean, Lot wasn't able to do it. I mean, maybe not, you know, it's not worth sticking with this. I mean, the pandemic has come and we see all these, you know, dark and, and even sinister things. And so maybe it's just not worth carrying on. God says, no, I'm going to give Abraham some information. So he knows that what I'm doing here does not affect what I've called Abraham to do in the wider world. So this man had something to live for because he was going to be used by God to bring a blessing to those around him. And what we offer the next generation, it has to be the stuff that satisfaction and fulfillment are made of. I mean, it has to be the stuff that makes the temporal grasp the eternal. It has to be the stuff that gives us a reason for living beyond our current existence. And that's why it is such a shame I mean, it's just a shame. Let me step away from the pulpit and and let me preach for a second. Now, that's your cue to put your feet right underneath your chair because I'm about to step on your toes. And and so let me me just say that it's such a shame. If we have men in this church who are not signed up or going to sign up to go with us to all church retreat, I mean, that is a shame. And I think it's a shame, and and I'm bold to talk to you about this today. Uh, because I think we set the bar too low. I want to set a high bar for the men in, in, in our church. And so I'm going to do that by saying, okay, it's only two and a half days. You waited too long to get the discounts, but it's still only, uh, whatever it is, 200 bucks, and your kids go free. I mean, this is crazy. I don't even know how we do it. So, okay, uh, you know, it's not too much time away. It's not too much cost to do it. And, and we don't have a problem with this, but I don't want us to slip into it. Where the babies go to, the babies go to retreat and they see their mamas there with them and the dads and the fathers and the men don't show up. No, we don't have that problem, but I don't want us to get into that problem 
I'm setting you a high bar because it is a shame. Now, maybe, okay, maybe scheduling conflicts, anything else, you just can't go. Okay, let me give you something else. You know, the ladies are having a retreat that's coming up in October. So uh, John Stevens just uh, told me after the uh, first service, he said, you know what, I'm going to, I am going to take over Harvest Kids on that day so that the ladies who are leading Harvest Kids can go on the retreat, but I need some other men to help me so that all the other ladies that serve in Harvest Kids normally can have that day free and we'll just have all the men taking over Harvest Kids that day. All right? Well, there you are. You can do that then on a Sunday that you would come here anyway. And it'll be, you know, it'll be out of the ordinary. I don't know what they'll do. I am surprised that the ladies would even trust us with that task. And I can imagine, you know, all the things that may go on that particular day. But uh, okay, we're going to, but we're going to, you know, we need to do that. That is the way that we need to step up as men. Many people have given their lives for the day in which we live. And many, many more died waiting But the children of those frontiersmen and pioneers and organizers and marchers today live for a credit card. Or or what? I mean, there's just no challenge to them. So we need to develop a sense of destiny with us. God says, I've chosen Abraham. I've given him this huge destiny. And that destiny is to reach all nations. And you know, that is our That is our great commission. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Adam had the same destiny. Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. Fill the whole earth with God's praise. Why don't you? Abraham was not a man walking around saying, well, you know, who am I? And uh, I don't know where I'm going. And, you know, what am I supposed to be about? So here is our fourth point for study. Do not look within yourself to find meaning. You need to look at the call of God, the call that God has on your life. Do not look to your husband and wife for meaning. Do not look to your family or your job for meaning. If there is no call of God on your life, you're not going to have any sense of destiny. And, And let me just hit you with that definition because destiny involves two things, a sense of calling and a sense of vision. The understanding God has you here for a purpose, even here in this church and even this summer. And a willingness to dream dreams to get where God wants. So if you have a visionless person with no sense of calling, he has nothing to transfer to the following generation. There's no disciple making that is going on. The link has been broken So then you find a wife and mother who is aimless, and then you find children who don't know where they are headed. And consequently, gangs and bad friends give them more of a sense of security and destiny and more of a sense of being and belonging than we do. So 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11, Paul says, he's talking to the Corinthians about being wary of things, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we're not ignorant of his devices. And this is our fifth point for study. Satan's device or Satan's purpose is to distract us from perceiving our destiny. Distract us from understanding our call. 
And so with Adam and Eve, what did he do? He got them looking at a tree, focused on a tree. Forget about the forest, just focus on this one tree. He got them focused on apples and grapes and fig leaves. And, and you know, when they were supposed to be focused on multiplying and subduing, and through his distraction, they missed the mission. And they forgot that meeting the mandate also gives you the fruit. So you don't have to focus on the fruit per se. You've got to focus on loving and walking with God. Don't focus on what is pleasant to the eyes and desire to make one wise. You manage the environment so you can control all the trees, and then you end up getting the tree that you want. You know, one thing that God has assigned fathers to do is this generational transfer of faith. And if you just start there, everything else will fall in place. And once things fall in place in your family, they more so fall in place for society. I mean, this is your foremost responsibility beyond everything else in life. You have to let the Word of God set the agenda for your family. We've got to fulfill God's destiny. So the first thing a person must have if he's going to fulfill his role toward God, is a sense of destiny that God has chosen him, God has placed him someplace because he's blessing that, he's blessing you in order to take your blessing to other people. So what is your biblical role as a father? This is number two. Have a commitment to discipleship as a living expression of your personal consecration. The only way to get from where you are today to the destiny God has is to discipline yourself by being discipled and then making disciples. Watch, look at verse 19 again. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him. He was to set in place a structure which was to lead them in following God. He was to carry out God's commands and God's guidelines. He was to lead in being submissive to God. He was to lead by going lower and letting them follow so that the family got tuned into their own destiny. And that will involve a discipline by discipleship. Let me hit you with that definition because discipline involves two things. Positive instruction and negative correction. Discipline means here, are, here is the path we must walk in order to get to where God is. These are the things I need you to know. Now, I may need you to know a lot of other things in relating in our society, but I really need you to know this. These are the things I need you to know. So it's taking the time necessary to show how to carry on the destiny that we've been given. And I think every child who walks away from their faith, which they can do when they get older because they are free moral agents. They will make their own choices. But if they walk away from their faith, they should also know that when they walk away, they're walking away from an eternal destiny, an eternal purpose. They shouldn't walk away because there was nothing there or there was no challenge or there was not the benefit of seeing some man fulfilling that blessing in their life. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he shall go, and when he is old he will not depart from it. So then later on they will remember a sense of destiny and they'll be drawn back into it. That is, that is why 
And, and you know, let me step away from the pulpit and just preach for a second this morning. Certainly, you know, we live in a new Roman society. We're the new Romans, and we see in our society all the same relationships and all the same family situations as at Jesus' first coming. So that's part of the reason I know why we're close to the second coming. We see all the same things there. So therefore, as a church, we are, we are certainly not judgmental or c- condemnatory of a lady who has a child out of wedlock, and we certainly do not put that onto the children. But is it a mistake? Those children would tell you, many of them would, they feel like they were born into a pit. I mean, without having daddy there and mom and dad being married, without, I mean, they feel like they're born into a pit and they don't know how to get out. That's a difficult situation. And, and you know, I'm, part of it is just simply societal and the way things that are going in America today. But wait, hold it. Here's the good news. That is why every man in our church should be a father to every child in our church because that fixes it. Hello, somebody. I just gave you the answer. Every man who is a member of our church ought to be a father to every child in our church because that fixes it. And, and, and the younger we can get them and the more men we can get involved with them, the younger they are, the better. That's why man camp is so important. Today, men have failed in their fathering. So the biblical role for fathers, and this is number three, is to submit to a process of discipleship yourself. Verse 19, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. What is the way of the Lord? To do justice and judgment. Being trained and training others to keep the way of the Lord in what is righteous and what is just. And that's what we call discipleship. It is transferring to others the desire to and the way to follow the Lord in life. Now that involves a number of things, so I just want to lift this out of Psalm 128 for you. First, Psalm 128 verse 1, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord and walketh in his ways. And we know that he's talking about men in this psalm because in verse 3 he says, Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. So here's our sixth point for study. The father who follows the Lord will create an environment in his home. He'll create a whole environment in his home that everybody benefits from. Now let me open a window on that word because you all know it got really hot last week and it's still really, you know, hot. I noticed it started raining after the first service and so cold fronts coming through it'll be a little bit better but man it's been really hot last week and so I called the HVAC guy to come out and just do regular normal maintenance and check up our air conditioning system and the first thing he asked when I opened the door was where's your thermostat I mean didn't even say hi just where's your thermostat so I took him over to the thermostat and he's messing with the thermostat and then the thermostat started talking to me Now, you know, I'm not crazy because I did say you ain't talking to me, but the thermostat said, no, Alan, look, Shakespeare said a good preacher can get a sermon out of stones, and God wants me to give you some theology from the thermostat because I'm like so many people in your church. I said, what can you possibly have in common with us Christians? He said, well, you know, thermostat, thermometer, 
A thermometer registers, records, rehearses, repeats, rehashes, and reflects the environment that it is in. And the number goes up and down on a thermometer according to the atmosphere. I said, so? He said, Alan, don't be slow. A thermometer basically says, world, whatever you do, I'm going to reflect it. And Alan, you know that's, that's like a whole lot of people in your church. And they go around repeating everything they hear. They are just thermometric instead of thermostatic. And, and, and the thermometer doesn't just register. It is actually controlled by its environment. I said, okay, what's your point? He said, but that's not a thermostat. See, a thermostat does not register. It regulates. Because a thermostat is not controlled by its climate. It controls its climate. And a thermostat does not change with the environment. It engages and changes its environment. He said, Alan, we both got numbers on us and a little mercury inside, but there is a big difference between me and a thermometer. And then he said, take off my cover. I thought that sounded a little dirty. (laughs) But I went ahead and did it. I took off the cover and I saw that there were these wires. And thermostat said, Alan, a thermometer is not connected to anything that gives it the power to create destiny. The difference is in the hookup. Holla if you hear me. And if you hooked up with Jesus, you are hooked up to some power that can make the difference in any situation. The Christian father is is thermostatic. The man who knows divine destiny, who exercises discipline, who is submitted to discipleship, all other things being equal, because yes, you know, the wife, you know, hopefully she is saved and godly, but, and if not, she has her own free will, but all other things being equal, he will have a wife who produces wine and makes him happy. Now, Since she has her free will, then, you know, that doesn't always happen, but it's not. All I'm saying is this, your best chance for it to happen, men, is for you to plug into the things we're talking about today. It has to start with the man having his game straight, and then the family begins to flourish. So much so, verse 3 says, thy children are like olive plants round about thy table. Olives were used medicinally and for various productive practices. And having been around your table, your children should be maturing into fruitful olive trees. You should be cultivating them as little Christians. What will be the result? Verse 5. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. That's the city. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children and peace upon your whole country. This is our seventh point for study. If you improve your home, then the whole city is going to be that much better. Start with your own family, and then society will have that much more peace, that much less violence, that much less chance of it breaking out. So men are the thermostats to turn up the spiritual temperature so that when we read the thermometers of our family and our friends, we can make them hot for the Lord. That that doesn't mean they're not problems. That doesn't mean they're not challenges or even failures. But it means when we fall down, we get up. 
And we get back up again because there is a consecration to discipleship. For a saint is just a sinner who fell down. And he didn't stay down. He got up. And we get back up again. And we get back up again. So in the final analysis, God's role for fathers to save civilization. And this is number four. Is the result of you finding and you following your role will be exercised mastery. Verse 19. That the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. Sodom and Gomorrah happened because Abraham could not find ten men who were leading in the gate. There were not enough Christians who were having mastery in their lives over their homes to salt their city. Lot had not transferred his faith, so there was nobody to salvage the culture, even had God spared it. You know, when you read the Old Testament, you always find this line. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's three generations down to Joseph and then the 12 tribes. Why? Because it was understood that the son would continue what the father started. And that would be done with a sense of destiny. Isn't that what you try and do when you're passing on generational wealth? But in this case, we're talking about continuing the faith, transferring our spiritual inheritance. And maybe what you can fix starts happening today. You know, maybe it means turning off the TV set and setting down the phone and spending time first on your knees and then in the word and leading your family in ministry and not doing it alone, but doing it in concert with other men here in this church. Maybe it means once a week trying to have a family altar where you take what was preached on a Sunday and you sit down with the family and say, okay, how are we going to start to install this in our own home? Because let me hit you with this final definition. Exercising mastery means to be in control of the future because of your walk with God today. And the devil will try and discourage you and your wife will not cooperate at first. And the kids will not pay attention. And you'll be asking, well, what's the use? So I give you the final point and then we'll raise up out of here. This is number eight. You can fix more on your face than you can fix in the flesh. So watch your mouth, watch your anger, because if you will trust God and you're the father, I mean, this is just a natural. The kids are going to want to follow you. If you trust God and you're the, you're the father, sooner or later, someone will join you. God will honor any leadership that looks like his son. He has to, otherwise it breaks the universe. I mean, it breaks the cosmos. If you want to be in harmony with the universe, look like his son, and God will bless you. And men, you've got to do it because you are the responsible representative. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're trying to build your life on simply having success, Satan's going to huff and puff and blow your life down. But if you'll build your life on the rock of being a disciple of Jesus Christ... You and yours will enjoy the will of God. That is what God offers 
if people will build their homes on generationally transferring the wealth of the Word of God. Go ahead and stand and bow your heads, please. Go ahead and stand and bow your heads. Do you know today where you'll be at for eternity? Have you ever asked Jesus for eternal life before? Why don't you just get the main thing settled this morning? Get the main thing settled today. Get saved today. Will you just pray after me right now? Just pray and say, God, I know that you love me. And I know how much you love me because your love required the expression of your wrath for my sin on your own son. I mean, that's a mystery right there. I don't even understand that. How on Father's Day, I don't understand on Father's Day how the father can put the wrath for my sin on his own son. That is how much you love me. So God, give me eternal life right now as I believe in the Lord Jesus. I trust in his finished work for me on the cross. By faith and through this prayer, I open my heart to the Holy Spirit. Forgive me and cleanse me for Jesus' sake. Because Jesus, I give you my life. And if you prayed and asked him to do that, then thank him. But also come up here as the praise team sings us out and let us know. Let us know so we can rejoice with you, so you can, we can tell you how to grow in your faith and in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. Come up here and let us know. You know what? You may have accepted Christ, but you've not yet gone all in by getting baptized. Well, come forward today and let us know. You want to get baptized next time we have baptisms. Maybe you, want, maybe you decided today you want to become a member of our church. You know, you attend here, but you're not a member here. You need to be a member at the place that you're getting fed and you can minister. And so just come up and let us know. We'll walk you through that. And then this altar is open if you want to just come and kneel and come and pray today about what has been preached today. Invite someone to come with you to church next Sunday because you know it can change their life. And next Sunday we'll be in Revelation 20 and 21, truth for our end times.